Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Darren Horowitz. Darren is the founder of 1010, a leading brand implementation firm that helps organizations plan, build, and manage brand change. With over 20 years of experience in branding, advertising, and television production, Darren has a proven track record of delivering measurable results in brand optimization. His resume includes an early career working in entertainment at Geraldo and Montel Williams and HBO Cinemax, before moving over to the agency worlds of McCann Erickson, Interbrand, and Future Brand. With a brand implementation process built to focus on efficiency and optimization, Darren builds client planes and management models from any starting point. Today, Darren and I are going to be chatting about the five pillars of successful brand implementation planning and the power of a well-defined brand plan. We'll learn what works from Darren's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Darren, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Uh, thank you so much, Stacey. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. Thank you. Well, I am delighted to chat with you today because what you specialize in, so many brands don't actually launch and do things correctly. So what I'd love to do is start off talking about how you got to here today to make you this master of brand implementation. Well, thank you. Um, I think, uh, and, and it was interesting, you know, and, I, and I've heard this from people who've been on your show where they hear their own bios and it's, it's a weird sensation. I didn't realize that the, uh, the television side was in there, but it makes complete sense. But yeah, I, I started, I grew up in a TV household and my father was uh, a news producer for Cronkite and, and went on to other shows, uh, what's now Nightline and things like that. So I grew up in a household where there were tight deadlines and a lot of stress um, and constantly trying to put things out there for people to see and experience. And I then having, as you mentioned, going on to where I less news and more tabloid, but worked at Geraldo and Montel, um, started to experience this firsthand and really understanding the need to learn a little bit about somebody else's language and then be able to translate it a little bit for others to then action uh, things. So, so learning a little bit about that. Once I got into branding, I started in more the, what was then corporate identity. And it was really just, I was a production guy behind the computer screen, just building out mechanicals and files that no one ever spoke to. But the industry evolved from corporate identity into more branding. And the requests became more sophisticated in the needs of the agencies to deliver more sophisticated products and, and services was there. And as I started to go through branding, and, and see things evolve. I also took part of my experiences where we, at the time, the department in production, we were always left holding a bag of garbage. So some account person would set up a timeline, they'd write a scope, you'd have a few hours, what you thought might be a few hours uh, for your team to do something, they'd work through the work. Everybody would run over, go out of scope, eat up budget. And by the time it got to the production team, we had no money, no budget, no time to do things. And it became very frustrating. And again, being used to deadlines and deliverables, we 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 understood that, but this was a little bit excessive and, and very hard to deliver. So we put our hands up and we decided to work backwards. And what we started to do was think about all the different branding work streams that were needed, 
Think about the timelines involved to get things done, who needed to be involved. Think about the scope of work and the steps required, and then start to work with the other departments to allocate hours for, for each step of the way. So that by the time it got to us in production or at that point became implementation, we knew we would be covered. And what we were able to do was gain the trust of other departments, such as creative or strategy, to really be able to build out these plans and these scopes with them in mind. They trusted us to make sure that they were covered. And so from there, it just turned into, I, I started to hit a little bit of a sweet spot in, oh, deadlines, timing, hours, budgets, things like that, production. And it was, there was a defining moment, had a lot of help along the way from others, but there was a defining moment where Humana Insurance was going through a rebrand and somebody came to me and said, hey, we have this client, they're going through a major rebrand and they want to know how much is all this going to cost? Do you have any idea what it's going to take? And I said, well, yeah, actually I, I kind of do. And, and for what I don't know, we can figure this out. And so it was the first time that a production guy kind of stood away from the desk and became a little bit more client facing. It was the first time that we started to talk about what it would take to go through a rebrand. And it was really the first time that I started to see this, this moment of what organizations needed to go through a rebrand and how we might be able to help them. And, and more importantly, as we did it, we were able to identify millions in savings through the different strategies. So for Humana, we identified a $22 million savings by taking a specific rebrand strategy and thinking through how they converted things. And then they were, I mean, obviously they were elated and it worked and we rebranded. And then from there, I started to really realize that it's not about doing production. It's it's about producing. And so I saw this opportunity to shift the, the focus of what I did from production to producer, really going back to the television um, experience. And from there, I, I saw this moment where I, I love, love, love what I do. I just really wanted to do it in a way that I want to do it and really focus on this and not, I, I was being pulled too far away from the work at the agency. So I decided to found 1010 and really just focus on how do we help organizations and agencies go through this change. So our clients are both agencies and, uh, and, and client direct corporations or businesses. So a long, a long winded way, but, but uh, getting to, I started in television, started in production, worked my way through a different type of production, but then bring it back around to, hey, I think there's a need to really help organizations navigate this and be able to translate a little bit about what everybody does and, and plan a path that's uh, that's effective and, and, and efficient in what we're doing to bring them through a brand launch. I think you're the first person I've ever talked to who has made himself a showrunner of a <laughs> world of agency and brand. Uh, yeah, it's but it was out of it, it, well, thank you. Yeah, uh, it it was out of necessity that and and it, it, yeah, it was out of necessity. I had to protect the teams that were working and making sure that we could pull off what we were the last ones to deliver something. So if you were to equate it to the shows, it was going on air, and if we didn't have our act together. There's no such thing as dead air, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. So, or it does, but you don't want it. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So, thank you for bringing that back around like that. Of course. So, I can fully understand, and, and I'm on the same page of no one wants to be the agency that is paying for their clients' work. And that is something that happens of agencies of all sizes, where you take 
a bigger bite off than you possibly can chew. And you get so in the weeds on the little stuff that you burn and turn all of that energy and effort before you get to the final product. And then you have just nothing left to actually get you across the finish line. So really what you are is a process engineer as well. Hmm is what I would assume, where you've come in and you've actually established and identified core processes that you have to go through in order to get to the end result. I, I, I've never heard it put like that, but I like that. I'm going to use it. Thank you. And, and I think that's right. And I think it comes in two different forms. It, it, it starts from the fact that I traditionally don't ask anybody to do something that I haven't done myself. And so I really have an understanding of what it takes to, let's make it easy, to create a business card or to create a PowerPoint template, because I've built them myself from scratch. I've worked with designers. I've gone through this process. I understand the duration and the steps involved. And then I understand where things can go sideways and how to get back on track quickly. So that's that's part of it in the process. I think the other part is that what I've really been able to do, again, with the help of many others in, in honing what we offer from a, a planning perspective is how to get in quickly and assess the needs of an organization, really put together a strategy that everybody can rally around, that they can socialize, that they can manage expectations, point out where there's variables or buffers needed to account for the things that you cannot account for, but really give them something solid that that is actionable. And that's the one thing that we really that's core to who we are at 1010, which is everything we do has to be actionable. And so from a process engineer and an efficiency standpoint, it can't just live in a deck and look nice or on a poster. It has to be actionable. And so what we're delivering are not just the the understandings of what one is about to embark on, but also the steps that they should take to get there, regardless of who does the work. Me, an, an agency, internal teams, doesn't matter. So, well, but again, I'm going to use that. I like that. Thank you. Of course. And so when you start working with a client for the first time, what's your first steps to get this ball rolling? So we typically, depending on when we're brought in, and there's there's really two, we do quite a bit, but from the, the let's call it rebrand implementation planning, the rebrand planning, you're either leading up to a launch or you've already launched and now we're filling gaps. And, and, and either point in time is okay, but let's start with the more common, which is we have not launched our brand yet. We start by trying to wrap our arms around what you do as an organization. Where does the brand live? What does it touch? What's needed in what order? And then ultimately, really the biggest thing people ask is how much will this all cost? So we try and solve for that, but it's, it's coming in with what we call a plan, an activation plan or an implementation plan. And it just starts by let's just ask people what they brand today. And it's very straightforward. And the, the common mistake that we see is that we often hear from a marketing team. Oh, we, we know what we do. We, we have it. We've already created a list of everything that's branded. And the first thing we do is say, well, are you sure you know? Are you just thinking about this from a marketing standpoint? Have you asked others in other departments what they do? Oh, well, no, not really. It's just from our point of view. All right, well, let's bring other people to the table, legal, IT. Um, we want a representation from different disciplines. And what ends up happening is you will ask somebody if they use 
the brand in a certain way. And marketing would say, no, no, we never do that. And inevitably somebody from the other end of the table says, hold on, I do that all day long. And that's my job. And I need these things. So two things end up happening. One, we get a better sense of what's branded. But more importantly, they start to learn from one another and start to talk to one another and really understand their business a little, just a little bit better from a rebranding perspective. Um, and it's really kind of, it's, it's interesting and it, and it happens all the time. And every time it happens, I'm like, yes, it's a win that we've uncovered this and we've, we've demonstrated just a little bit of value at the onset. Um, but, but it's always about wrapping our arms around what's branded today is the starting point. And once you've figured that out and you've gotten everyone and all the stakeholders, you know, on the same page and, and kind of sussed out what the landscape is ahead of you, what do you do then? It's, it's an analysis. So, so I think it, it just to, to take a step back, the way we approach planning is, is twofold. One is you're focused on your brand launch and what has to happen at that point in time. Um, and that's what it is. It is a point or points in time. And there are all these events or communications that need to happen. And we want to capture that. There's a strategy that's what are we trying to achieve? To whom are we trying to launch? And we're trying to capture that as well. So that's part of this. But because it is a point in time, we, we kind of put it in a little bit of a silo there and capture it because it then impacts other parts of a rebrand. Um, as I mentioned, the next part is really understanding what gets branded today. Uh, with, with COVID, we had to really take a workshop and, and what used to be in person and put it online, which is great. Uh, so now we can survey as many people as we need to very quickly to assess where the brand lives and, and in what order things are needed. Do I need something as we launch? Do I just need answers so that when I launch, I can do business as usual or, hey, I can, it's a fact sheet. Nobody, nobody faxes anything anymore. We have it, but it's so far down the path. We don't, it's not a priority. So we start to understand the needs. And then we start from there to organize the thoughts. And we start to say, again, from the brand touch point side, okay, these are all the things that you brand. Now we need to understand what tools are required to support the transformation. So oftentimes our clients will work with agencies or the agencies that have brought us in. They have an initial scope of work to design a brand. What's the logo? What's the color, the font? Um, and maybe they'll go so far as to say, I need to understand how this brand lives a little bit with maybe in what we would call notional design. So show me some brochure covers, show me what a PowerPoint could look like, show me, show me what a sign could look like. And then they'll start to think about some basic guidance, but that's it. That's that initial first scope and there's strategy and there's verbal and there's all other things. So what we're looking to do by understanding where the brand is being used and what's being delivered as a starting point, we look to close that gap and identify all the different work streams that are needed to bring one through a launch and beyond to support the transformation of all the different branded touch points. So it could be a PowerPoint template, pretty straightforward. It could be a signed family uh, and, and guidelines and um, somebody to partner with to actually create the signs and put them on the side of the building. It could be a website. And again, there are really easy things to focus on, but then there is this gap of, well, what do I need to then translate that into scalable tools that everybody can use as we launch? So that's the second thing is to organize thoughts, uncover what's needed. 
From there, we put timing to that and we start to think about, I, I kind of geek out on Gantt charts and starting to think about how everything works together. We're operating both at a 30,000 foot level as well as a three foot level. And we're really trying to make sense of everything and when things can happen in what order. And we build these timelines. Um, we map that back to when they're trying to launch and what's realistic, whether they can hit a certain deadline or if they're launching in two weeks, it's not reasonable to put a sign on the building in two weeks. So what does that look like? And then from there, the biggest, going back to the biggest question is, so what's all this going to cost? And so we look at this as a conversation around what can your agency partner take on? What can your internal teams take on? What should your agency partner take on versus your internal teams? How do we allocate or earmark budget for that? As well as what's the cost of a sign? What's the cost of a business card? What's the cost of anything? So we earmark hard costs as well. And that's how we start to get to our budgets. So by the end of this, what we get are two things or three things. We get a plan that starts to map out what one does today, what they're trying to do tomorrow, when they're trying to do this and the timelines that go with it, what they can take on internally, where they need help, how much they should budget for all of this over a year or two years or three years. We have a catalog of everything that needs to change because we've done our surveys and we've captured the different types of branded touch points. We have a clear brief of who's doing what. And we also have a summary and an executive summary of how this is all going to roll out at a higher level. So the details in the appendix, and the executive summary up front so that they can start to socialize this internally with leaders and key stakeholders, gain buy-in, um, not bore people with, with the, the Gantt charts, but really think about this from a socialization level, but know that it's actionable. So does that, does that all resonate? There's a lot in there. Sorry. There's a lot. No, There's no, a I lot. think it's excellent. Um, I think really, you know, I, I keep on saying you are this, a showrunner, you are a process <laughs> You are a project manager. So your team comes in and you really are project managing at a very high level of understanding what the overall scopes are so that you are able to actually secure more success because you're looking at all of the issues. It, yes, I, I would like to clarify that because that is um, it, it, it's uh, a point of clarification. So mm -hmm. I would say that we are project architects in that we know how to set everything up very well. We know how to define what's truly needed. What we often tell clients is that you absolutely need PMO support. You need project management support. And, and we are not the ones to do that because I think that gets to a whole level of specialty that just is not what we do. But to your point, we recognize what's needed. We set this up for a transition so that it's a successful, successful transition to a project management uh, operation and they can really dig into the weeds there. But it, yeah, it's a little nuanced. Um, but I would say we are definitely teeing it up to, so that a project manager could take over or multiple project managers, depending on the size of the organization. And so when you're doing all of this, what are some of the issues that typically come up where things go awry? Hmm. Uh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> I think that so there is the planning part. Again, I think, as I mentioned earlier, the, the challenges there are being very marketing centric. 
And, and the watch out is it's not just from a marketing point of view. You need to really understand the needs of an organization. You need to understand what others do. We call it rebrand empathy. And you really need to understand that there are so many people out there that do so much that you probably have no idea they're doing. And you, and you might take it for granted, just like they might take what you do for granted. I think that's, that's a common um, watch out that we see. I think that Timelines are great, but they're only as good as the day they're written and everything shifts. And especially when you're going through an organizational change, such as a rebrand. And I think you need to add for flexibility when um, <laughs> prior, prior to forming 1010, we worked on uh, my colleagues and I have, I have a lot of old colleagues who are now working with me. We worked on uh, rebranding American airlines uh, at future brand and same process, built out a detailed Gantt chart, maybe 300 lines of data going into the program. And this was well beyond the plan. And this is actually now getting into the details, working with their project management team. And every day it was, well, you said on line 247, it should start now and end there. And, and we kept having to explain that, yes, that is the right timeline. That is the right duration. But the reality is the step before didn't happen. The step after has changed and we need to flex. So the snapshot of time is only as good as that moment. And, and, and you need to allow for flexibility. Sometimes launch dates change. Uh, sometimes they move up. Sometimes things uh, get pushed out. We've seen all of that. So I think it's about understanding that there's there needs to be built-in flexibility in all of this. I would say the other thing is, you know, some of the common watchouts are, most people haven't gone through this before. And so it's really sometimes Sometimes clients are really good and trusting and say, I haven't done this. I need the help. I need the expertise. I don't know what I don't know. And other times they don't say that. And it's, it's interesting to watch and, and both are perfectly good people and they're trying to do their best, but it's really interesting to see when someone thinks they know what's coming and they have no idea. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's just fascinating. And I think the, the idea of acknowledging you need help. There are people who specialize in this, just like there are people who specialize in design or there are people who specialize in writing and it is okay. Um, but the sooner we can get in and start setting you up for success or anybody can set you up for success, the better off and smoother a launch is going to be. And I think that's where people are so focused on launching a brand in that moment in time, they forget about the what's next. That That's a big watch out. So I, I, I hope I'm answering your question. Well, maybe it's just that, you know, certain types of breeds of people are just risk takers and they like stressing and angsting and staying up all night and watching things fall apart because they don't actually have a system in place. Maybe, but if they are <laughs> one of 40,000 people or even one of 400 people, there's still the rest of the organization uh, that needs to go. And I think that's that's something to consider. Change is not easy. No matter who you are or what you do, change can be stressful and changing a brand is no different. I think that you have a whole organization of employees or or staff or, or our people or however you want to refer to them and your clients or your customers that are about to experience this change. And so the sooner you can get in front of this, not just from what the branded experience is or the touch point is, or do we need to change over our sign, but also consider the communications that you need to provide people with. I, I, I say changing touch points is one thing and 
somewhat straightforward. Changing people is completely different and you need to bring them through this journey. And there's a, there's a great framework and I did not come up with it, but I believe it's know, believe, live, advocate. And the idea, I don't know, have you heard of this framework before? Mm-hmm. You have. Okay. So for your listeners, and 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 again, I, I think this is great as you bring people through a brand change. No, I know what we are doing. I understand what we are doing. Believe. I believe that this is right for the organization and, and what it means. Live. I understand my role in this and what I can do to support this. Advocate. I can now teach others. So when we think about bringing an organization through a rebrand, we're often looking at how to cascade that information down. And again, going back to the launch component, we think about the communications, not just the touch points. We think about what are your objectives? What are you trying to say? We look at audience segmentation, understand what their needs are, what their expect, what our expectations of that audience might be, and therefore, how do we support this? And I think it goes back to that idea of if we want to make everyone a brand ambassador or a brand champion, then we need to bring them through this journey and really make sure that they have what they need, no differently than bringing people to the table and say, how do you use the brand today? Yeah, I'm sure having stakeholder as well as support buy-in is essential, and that causes everyone to actually work together a little bit better versus having all of those naysayers who are continuously pushing everything off the cart. Yeah, there, there's you. I think you find two types of people who give pushback. One might be at a leadership level where they have a bottom line or a business to protect and they want to move quickly or they have an objective that they see and they need to do things for whatever the business rationale is. And you can work with that. You can understand some of that and you can just plan accordingly. But then you have it at the employee level where maybe they're just, I I think that the the watch out there and to bring them along is to engage them and to really think about how to engage employees. And hopefully organizations recognize that we're not just swapping a logo out, but we are actually really transforming what we do. And, and it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, we're changing our logo. But again, I think it's, it's an opportunity that's much bigger to change the brand, to change how people experience it internally and externally. And, and the touch point, the, the, the letterhead or or the sign, these are just little manifestations, but the people who speak to this, who, who want to promote what they do for a living and are proud, or we want them to be proud, we have to give them the help to get there. And it's, it's really interesting to see people go through a journey. And it's also really interesting to see when you don't have the time or the opportunity to get in front of them as quickly as you would like. And I think that goes back to proper planning. And so how can our listeners, if they're interested in themselves and figuring out how they need help with brand implementation, reach out to you? Uh, the usual channels of, of LinkedIn, our website, I would say they can go to 1010group.com slash mistakes. So all spelled out, T-E-N-T-E-N-G-R-O-U-P.com slash mistakes. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, Darren Horwitz, H-O-R-W-I-T-Z, and happy to help and always happy to have a conversation with somebody and see what their needs are and see if there's a way in which we can help them or point them in the right direction. It's not always about working with us, but we do believe in proper rebranding and organizations being successful. So we're happy to help in any way we can. 
Well, Darren, thank you so much for providing all of your thoughtful insights and guidance. And obviously you have set up a framework that has been proven to work. So you know what you are doing. Really appreciate you sharing your insights and time with us today. Thank you, Stacey. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, have a great one. If you have any questions in the middle of this time frame of how you can get your brand more integrated into other people's content, product placement, celebrity endorsements, influencer marketing, reach out. I'm happy to chat or I connect you with our team. Have a great one. Mm-hmm.